0: It's not every day that we have someone who is only the second person to ever do that. And um, I remember a couple of weeks ago when we got the text from Andrew and you had said, Scott, I was thinking, Scott, and then you beat me to it. So I was like, OK, well, there it is. Um, and so Scott Janney, uh, third three time guests,
1: three time guests. Is-
0: yeah, what is it about magazine jukebox or Scott or what you're seeing him do that is unique? Because I I've known him for almost a decade now. Like he used to roll through Hatch, um, the Hatch Coffees is when I met him in like 2014, oh, really? 2015. Yeah, and like he was just selling um, insurance through Allstate yeah. at the time, and that was a really interesting world for me to learn about him in that because you really get the person on like you're you get a client and then they never leave unless your rates go completely crazy because you the consumer screw up they're ba- I, like the guy I've been with I've been with because I just randomly googled allstate because that's who I'm with I think um and he's been my guy for since 07 haven't mm. done anything 16 years. So Scott told me a lot about that, which was interesting. But but like when you hear about what he's doing with magazine jukebox and and all that, what what is it that that you enjoy? Yeah,
1: well, I think that uh, I think above all else, Scott's just when you talk to him, he just has that uh, the the confidence and aura to him that he is a he's an executor. Yeah, you know, what he says he's going to do, he he does. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, we've talked about it on the show before. Some people talk. A lot, and that's what they do—is just talk. But uh, I think that every case, every uh, Scott has always been able to execute on the things that he said he was going to execute on, and that, and that within itself sets people apart. So I respect that. Um, and then the fact that him being a, a three-time guest—that speaks to that. So uh, I think that you and I uh, and Andrew, what we, one of the things we have to do is we we keep. Uh, an eye out on what's going on in our region in terms of what businesses are making things happen, and the businesses that are making things happen are the ones that are generally on the show. So that uh, that speaks to what he's been able to do, and as to why he's a, a three-time guest. And now,
0: Scott, is it is it Jenny, Jenny, Gin, Gin, Januzzi? Like, have I ever asked this? <laughs> like, you know, you go to the Norfolk Admirals hockey game; it's the Jenny King power play. Are you the Jenny King?
2: Like, I know so- I, I guess more like the real question is how many times do I got to be on your show
1: I, for you to get this right? Yeah, Scott, like, you're you're in rare company. You're, yeah, you're you're only the second, third time guest that we've had. Yeah, well, Chris Hill I, is only on twice. Yeah, I think that the only other th- three time guest we had was Erica.
0: Oh, three time. You're right, right,
1: right. So uh, Scott has been on episode third or uh, sixty. 98 and now episode 160 so it's pretty well almost 50 50 50 so uh in terms of episode we're we're off by two in the in the middle segment but uh math. but you got a lot going on which is why you're back for a third time so generally if you're successful it means that you're doing something right so we got to catch up on everything that's happening
2: it, that or you're just burning cash <laughs> <What>? <laughs> They, and to answer your question, Zach, yes. it's uh, Janny or Janae. So, not to confuse you here, but all my life growing up, I was uh, Janae. And it's kind of a sad story, but I mean, that kind of it is a sad story. My father was diagnosed with cancer. He was dying. So, we went back home to Iowa, where I never spent any time there. So, I didn't, you know, I never really had any, you know, ties there whatsoever. And so, anyways, I. I was going back there and a couple of his old high school friends were coming around. They all called him Jannie. And I remember asking him, I was like, why did they call you Jannie? But we go by Janae. And he goes, well, when I left off to the Navy, uh, I did not like Janie, So I changed it to Janae. And I was like, oh, so 28 years of my life, you chose not to share that story with me. So here we go. So I had no idea that it was actually Janney or Janae. I go by either
1: someone's got a check then you'll answer uh you'll answer to either
2: yeah 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 i do that often but now the checks don't come in my name anymore so now they all come in the magazine box. so and they, they don't they don't come to me do you
0: actually still get checks or is everything digital
1: i would have seen that every- oh look at that
2: L- literally oh i showed it but yeah no one of our clients seen? sharp it's uh they're a medical facility or a doctor's office out in california yep out in san diego they're one of our new clients.
1: So for those that don't know, magazine jukebox, that's what we're talking about. What's what's the 10, 10 15 second uh, pitch to, uh, to bring everybody up to speed?
2: Yeah, so we use a line now where I say we are the digital distributor for commercial uh, spaces when it comes to magazines. So we actually offer digital magazines to our commercial partners and that way their patrons so the clients of our clients get to enjoy a digital magazine while they're waiting. So they, so just imagine going to a doctor's office or going to a car dealership or going to a spa resort, a hotel and a coffee shop. And you're there either, maybe you're there by yourself or maybe you're there with kids and the kids are playing and you just want something to, you know, take away a little bit of time. Uh, You scan our code and you get to enjoy a digital magazine uh, at no cost to the, to the client. So, I mean, it's, the commercial partners pay for the service. We use geofencing and stamping technology. So we make sure that the magazines stay in their locations and they, they don't walk away. I remember, I, and, I, and I can't recall if we actually talked about this on our show,
0: but I remember you had sent me the video that you guys got recorded, uh, created, I think by Astoria, um, maybe a year or two years ago. Yep. It's, a, it's a very well-produced video. Um, I, I like it. I think it's, it, um, it tells the story correctly. I'm interested in it, it. has that been a good investment for you? Something like that, getting a well-articulated video like that. How did you use it? What, mm-hmm. what are some, 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 uh, wins and losses with that? Because I think a lot of people want to get a highly produced video and then yeah. oftentimes it doesn't absolutely do even close to what they wanted it to do. And I'm just interested if, if it, wh- wh- where it stood on that, What you learned from it? Was it worth it? The ins and outs of of your kind of commercial, if you will.
2: Yeah, so Astoria, so this was really early on, um, very early on. In fact, we were not live at all. Uh, It's a great commercial. We give 100% 100 credit to Astoria and our buddies over there. Jared uh, Beasley is um, one of he's the creative director over there and he, he really put it together. And, you know, it's it's probably one of the best investments we made. Um, and I'm just going to share, I'll share the price because this is a few years back. So no one can hold them to this price. But uh, we spent about $14,000 to produce that video or that commercial. And, you know, what's stressful about that is, you know, we we're taking investor money in, we didn't have a whole lot of money. So it was like, where is the best place for us to invest our money? In? And so what we found is, in you know, putting into a commercial that would speak to, who we are, what we're doing, how it works. We wanted to make sure that the commercial really reached, uh, you know, a multitude of people. You know, we wanted it to make sense for the commercial partner. We wanted it to make sense for the publisher. We want to make sense for the end user, the client, uh, or the com- or the consumer using it. So, so it was really important that we hit all those marks. And what I learned quickly is that I really had to allow um jared to be jared so to speak and draw it up write it up you know be the creative behind it and um put everything together he came to me with a couple of questions he asked some, you know some certain questions um and then he was able to run with it and what i found is that really works best because i'm not a producer i'm not i'm not someone who understands how commercials work and what should or should not be on there so we really um You know, we just went with it with went with what he did and they created, you know, beautiful piece of work. And what's really cool, too, is that they didn't just like give us the video, but then they gave us like outtakes and they gave us, you know, 30 second, 45 second, you know, uh, 15 second snippets. Um, So we were able to dice that up and and put it into social media as well. We continue to use it to this day. I mean, we're we're talking, you know, two years later. Um, we're still using dices of that to whether we're sending it to a potential commercial partner or we're sending it, um, putting it out on social media. Um, it's really important to continue using it. it they did a great job. Highly recommended.
1: Yeah. When you look at it that way, it's a, uh, then it becomes a numbers game in terms of uh, how you return that investment. So, yeah. Was that tough for you to, uh, mm-hmm to take a backseat and let the creative go to work uh, and do what they do best?
2: No, because um, you would, you would think it would be as as a CEO or as a leader or co-founder or whatever you want to title me as, but they, you know, you would think that that would be the case, but it's really not. Like one of the things that I pride myself on is, is that I am not the smartest person in the room. I never will be. I don't care to be, uh, I like to surround myself with really smart people, and so when I go to a company like that, I'm expecting them to be the smartest person at the table when it comes to commercials or or producing a uh, a video. Uh, you know, if they came to me and they asked me questions on how to be a leader. Then, sure, I I can I can lead that up, but I'm you know even with our technology, I couldn't even tell you the first thing on how to code something. I you know, but I have people that can do that, and uh, so that that wasn't hard to let go of that. Now, what was hard and continues to be difficult is spending money. Um, you know, when you're, when you're using investor money, you want to be really careful and that every dime matters, like you really got to treat it like your own. And someone like myself, who has been, you know, successful kind of early on and in, in throughout my past, you know, I have this value for the money that they're investing, you know, an investor who, you know, let's say is a a very successful insurance agent and he's an accredited investor. That's how successful he's been. And he's able to invest $50,000 of his savings. You know, the question you have to ask is like if, if they're willing to give you $50,000, then my responsibility is to really coddle it and take care of it. You know, it's not to just go out and waste it.
1: Yeah. And that's a, it's a big balance, right. In terms of, uh, Determining how much gasoline, so to speak, to pour on the fire uh, and not pouring too much that the, um, the things explode. Right. And go the wrong way. So it's a. It's a tough decision.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, when... oh, go ahead. Well, I, just to piggyback off of that, like. Um still dealing with some of the investors uh, over a decade that, that I've dealt with with hatch over, over the years. And I remember in one of our rounds where we invest in some companies, it did not go well and lost the overwhelming majority of the money in those um, from those people. And like, it was very difficult for me. I think it was 2015, 2016 timeframe. I mean, I remember I was able to write them a small portion of what they gave me back. um, Like, 20% 20% back. So they took an 80% loss, probably something like that. And I remember like, I feel like I cried that day, writing that check, I wrote them all a letter being like, I wish it could be more. And it, shockingly, I, and maybe I'm speaking out of, out of place here, but I feel like they actually took it a lot better than I did. Like, they're like, Oh, well, we know we're going to lose this money. So who cares? But like, I didn't go into it looking to lose their money. I went into it trying to be a huge multiplier. And so I, I don't think every entrepreneur. Has that same mindset that you that you do, Scott, and uh, I admire that because I think a lot of people are just like, "Oh, I got money now, I can do whatever the hell I want with it," and um, I I think that's unique in in many cases. So kudos to that.
2: Well, three three. Well, thank you for that, and and I'm gonna take the I'm gonna mark this in the calendar book when you said you admire something. That I've yeah, done. I, it'll be the I, only I just, time. I got it. Yeah, I got to write this down. But we can don't, edit like, this it's, out. It's yeah, I, I figured you probably will. Um, so like, man, why did I say that? Um, so no, you, you mentioned... I'll... Just line, what number, what time are we at? We're at 18 mm-hmm. minutes, 32 mm-hmm. seconds. Uh, yeah, the, so, the
0: thing to YouTube will say like, um, Zach and Meyer Scott doesn't
2: yeah. know how to pronounce his last name. Starts with a J. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Appreciate it. Hey, I'll take that. Scotty J. Just do Scotty that. J. So... So look, you know, you said some things that are really important that I think anybody in the startup space needs to understand this, and even investors. First and foremost, there are rules and laws out there to protect um, from people giving money that they are not, a, you know, not being a credit investor that they couldn't invest in something like ours. You know, they have, that's why they have those, um, you know, when uh, crowdfunding, you know, to where the rules don't quite apply to that. But, but you know, when when investor typically get strokes out a check, they they should operate in the sense that it's they're not going to get it back. You know, they but they're hoping that they will. They're hoping they'll get a 10x. And, and they really got to believe and buy into the person who's asking for the money. Now, what blows my mind, and still to this day, it just it's absolutely, you know, crazy or bonkers, is that no one really does a background check. No one does a credit check on who they're investing in. And you hear all the time, like you can watch Shark Tank and you'll hear like Damon. I I know he said it like a million times where he's like the power of being broke, you know. And I'm like, I'm like, I agree. Like when you're at bottom and you're, you know, you're broke, like you have nowhere else to go but up. Recently, I got a tattoo that it says sink the ship. And and that my mantra has always been if you want to take the island, you got to first sink the ship and um and meaning that you can't necessarily have something to fall back on but these angel investors or even you know vcs like they're not doing these this diligence of background check and i remember finally we got an investment from vipc and or vipsy as some of us call them but uh, vipsy they invested in us and they're like hey we have to do a background check and i remember like talking to them, like thank goodness thank you thank you for yeah. doing that
1: I do think times are changing, though. Times are changing. Like before, when the when the market was crazy, man, it was like they people had to act really, really fast to to, to close, to, to get on that term sheet and to close that deal. And then look where that got us. Everybody was just, it was just reckless, abandon. And now, you know, the due diligence, thankfully, is starting to happen again.
2: Yeah. Well, and and it really has to because unfortunately, and I, and I to a lot of startups out there and founders, you know. They don't even know what it's like to get a hundred thousand dollar check. They don't know how to manage a hundred thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars, a million dollars. They don't, and I'm not trying to I'm I you know, anybody who knows me knows that I am a startup and I'm a founder lover. Like I just I want to see them succeed and I want to see them grow, but they've got to surround themselves with people that understand how to manage those kind of funds. Like one of the things that I did very early on with the company. Is because of my previous success, and because my wife and I, we have you know, beautiful home. We have you know, a couple of toys, and we and we tend to you know buy things, and and every now and then it gets out on social media, like if you know if I have a boat or a camper or something like that. And what was what I had to say very early on to my investors is I said, hey, look, I don't handle the money. Like I'll I'll talk to you about investing, and I I appreciate your investment, but once it once you invest, that money actually goes through a channel where I have. A fractional CFO. I have an accountant. I have, um, uh, you know, I have teams and management teams that are actually managing those funds um, because I want to make sure I always stay above reproach when it comes to the this money that's being invested. And not to mention, my wife and I, we have great credit. Uh, we're very mindful of our finances. We're not going to overextend ourselves. Um, and then on top of that, we um, background is is clean as well. But it it just it's mind blowing that. You know that that's just like an afterthought. And I I don't I don't understand that. And any startup or founder, because you guys get a lot of them who listen to this, please know I'm not saying you shouldn't be invested in. I do think that you should be invested in if you have a great product and service and you can show scale. But what you need to do is make sure you surround yourself with the right people that know how to manage those funds.
1: Yeah. I mean yeah I mean have knowing your numbers know what your burn rate's going to be. It's not like all of a sudden you collect a check for 100,000 and be like, "Hey, guess what guys? We're on a $50,000 a month burn rate and then we'll uh figure it out in 2 months when we're out of cash again." I mean, it's just yeah. uh, it takes so much discipline.
2: Yeah, it does. Especially- and we I mean, Magazine Jukebox has raised 1.3 million dollars to date and we have about 700,000 left on our bridge seed round and you know, we're you know, we're our hopes is to go into Q1, Q2 next year to go into our first A round. Um, which will be raising, you know, probably somewhere around five million to ten million dollars, and uh, the reason for that is because uh, we're going to be going into the data space, and that's a, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars in revenue, and and we have a great tool uh, that's a, you know, that's in a, you know, we're in like a little over four thousand locations now, and you know, to to be at that, we have all this opportunity for data that we could be, you know, sourcing and. So, uh, but it costs a lot of money to do that. A lot of, a lot of attorneys. Do you,
0: you built the product from an external team at some mm-hmm. point, a team in Richmond, I believe. I can't think of their, yep. their names. Simple thread. Yes. Simple thread. Yeah. Are they still associated with it? Have you gone oh, internal? Yeah. How, how, how is that working? How do you grow with a, an outsourced team? Because a lot of times, and maybe it's just the fact that a lot of these engineering teams are from overseas and not um, in the states so maybe that's why you've seen success with that but a lot of outsourced engineering teams for a technical product have a lot of challenges with not only communication but getting the product built when there's a bug how you get it fixed because they're not internal they're external how, how, how does that as you've grown continue to to work and do you think about going internal Where where are you on that
2: <clears throat> yeah. So no, I A, no, we have no plans and no desire to go internal. Um, I think it's just too much. I think it's, um, you know, you're, I think it's a lot easier for us to uh, continue to outsource. We use simple thread. We still, you know, still do. We foresee always using them. Uh, they're also investors in the company. And so there's no reason for us to go anywhere else. They're very honest. They're open. They communicate. Their communication is great. Slack is a great tool, emails, you know, phone calls, whatever it takes. They are in Richmond, they are close by. We're not dealing with different time zones. We're certainly not dealing with uh, language barriers. So for all that, for all those reasons, it's very successful, but um I do understand like, you know, I maybe I'm paying 130 dollars an hour, 140 dollars an hour, maybe I'm paying 60 dollars an hour. Whatever it is, that we're paying for that for that dev team you know, yeah, it's very tempting to go overseas. You can get it down to twenty dollars an hour, fifteen dollars an hour. I mean, heck, I know some some founders um, that were paying like six or seven dollars an hour for a dev team. But the but the horror stories that I've heard um, from that is has been um, you know, and, and it's nothing. Not that they don't you know, not that people overseas um, don't try their hardest because they do. Like they're typically a single single member breadwinner for their family. They're going to try really hard to keep you happy and and keep that job because, um, like last I heard, you know what is it uh, like? And a lot of people outsource to India, but what is it, India has a billion, you know, uh, citizens or you know, yeah. uh, something like that. And how do you keep them all working? How do you keep them fed? They have to work overseas. Like that, there's, they don't have enough internal work for them. So so while I can sympathize and empathize with. Um, what these you know startups using them you know we just chose the, the different route we went with simple thread they've been huge partners of ours in fact their CEO uh, Justin Etheridge is our fractional CTO so it works out really really well
1: interesting what's what's more uh, what's more exciting being a founder of a startup or traveling 75 150 miles an hour on a motorcycle mm. <laughs>
2: Uh, Well, it's funny. I actually have a blog out there about this. I I wrote it on my LinkedIn page and I said how uh, motorcycle riders um, are geared up to be um, to be founders and for startups, because so many of the things that a motorcycle rider does translates really well to a founder. For example, when you're riding on the motor on your motorcycle, You know, you're not looking at the car necessarily in front of you. You're looking past the car in front of you. You're looking for what's your exit plan constantly. Like, how are you going to get out of the way if something disastrous happens? And You got to do it pretty quick. You got to be able to pivot really quick. And so I I talked about that in my blog um, about all the pieces that kind of come together with those. Because for those who don't know me, uh, I have been riding. I, I, You know, I, I rode since I was about five years old. I've had a dirt bike. I've destroyed my brother's dirt bikes many times. Uh, he's always appreciated loved me for that in fact i always remember one story like i went off this jump and uh and i totally eat it and i'm like gasping for air wind knocked out of me he thought i was dying and i remember briefly watching my brother run right past me to go to his motorcycle to make sure it was all right and he didn't <laughs> care that i was dying so if he listens to this he'll uh he'll know exactly what that moment was but um which one's which one's more enjoyable? Man, I I don't have a motorcycle tattooed on my on my body. I have uh, sink the ship tattooed on my body. So, you know, it's like, I, I love entrepreneurship. I'm a business owner. I'm, I love being in business. I love watching things grow and manifest. And and um, it's just something I'm really passionate about. The, you know, the ongoing joke with my wife and I is that I have no hobbies because work is my hobby. That's what I love to do.
0: Looks like you
2: are down a couple pounds. Is oh, Really? Short? You want to bring that up, huh? Okay, Zach, <laughs> Zach attack. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm down about 61 pounds. Uh, 62, oh, about 61. Maybe. Yes. yeah,
0: 62. Yeah, okay. yeah, about yeah.
2: Well, I knew I was, was going to be doing a lot more of these shows and blogs and like traveling and meeting people, and and so I, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't the big guy in the room. Although, funny story, guys, you'll love this. So, my daughter, she's She's four years old. She's incredible. Anybody who's watching the show, I'm going to try to find a picture of her to pull up real quick. But did your son
0: get beamed with the ball last time?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So this is this is my daughter. She's four. She'll be five here soon. She took over my phone, and you know what do you do when they take all these selfies? You make it into a collage. But she last (laughs) night, like, so the rule is, is like, I go and my my oldest son, he's about to be seven, and I go and him and I will pray together, and and then I'll you know. I'll put him down for bed and he he's on his own. He's good. He's like, night, daddy, love you. That's it. So then, but my daughter's not quite there yet. So I, I have to go, I go to her room and I usually lay down with her and, until she falls asleep. And uh, so she's sitting there, we're laying down <laughs> and uh, she goes, um, she's like, dad, daddy, dad, dad. And I'm like, I'm ignoring her because she'll just talk all night if she can. It's her way of staying up. And then she finally gets quiet and then she goes, Hey, big guy. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what? Well, what then she goes, and she taps me on the belly and she goes, You're a big guy. And I was like, Thanks a <laughs> lot. So anyway, so yeah, but uh, no, I'm I'm down, yeah, and I do it for my wife, do it for my kids, I do it for myself. I mean, there's there's a lot of reasons to be healthy. I lost my father when he was 58. I was 28 years old. I just turned 40 last week, and it's like my thing is is you know, I, if I have the same fate as my father, what would I do differently? And, you know, so it's like, that's kind of how I try to operate. So so I, I took, you know, uh, took some steps to make this happen. And, you know, we're, here we are. So.
0: So, so tell us about that in a minute, but I, you hinted at this and this is what I ultimately wanted to ask you before you rudely interrupted me to tell you me, tell us that it was 60, 61, 62, probably 63 pounds, but that, no, kudos, it's good. Tell us about how you did it earlier. But I, I mean this honestly. Do you think that by losing weight and being a more uh, uh, lean individual that that has helped you in business? Has helped you gain more business? Absolutely,
2: absolutely. Yeah. And the, the 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 rationale behind that is confidence. you, you Conf- gain more really? confidence. Yeah, That's you gain not more what confidence. I would.
0: Okay, interesting. No,
2: I mean, like, like there's the superficial, like how people will perceive you and how people will look at you. For sure, I get that. Um, but the confidence, uh, that you have in just feeling healthier and feeling better. I'm trying to find a picture I can show everybody in the world. Here we go. So this will give you an idea. That was me six months ago or so. And that was me over at the Newsmax studio in New York city. So, yeah, so the, um, yeah, it's, like you, you, feel, you feel more confident, um, you, you, You also feel accomplished, like you can do something, like you can go through, kind of like go through hell and back, so to speak, because it's not an easy task. It's not for all those who are, you know, overweight. Like I get it, been there, been there for many, many years, um, and um, it's it's not an easy ride, that's for sure. And there are things that you don't realize when you're overweight, like just the simple fact of being able to um, regulate your temperature is really really wild, like when you're bigger, you know, you sweat when it's 60 degrees out, you know, when it's, when it's 100 degrees out, good Lord, just get me to an ice bucket and put <laughs> ice down my back, like, like, you know, and and then when you sweat too, you feel embarrassed about it, and or at least I did. And so, so it's like, and now when I sweat, I'm like, Yeah, I'm sweating, because I just went for a run, or I'm sweating, because it's 100 degrees out. I'm, I'm, you know, but when it's 60, I feel it's 60, I'm cold, when it's 70, I'm kind of chilly when it's 80, you know, feeling pretty good, you know, like it's, it's like, but before that wasn't the case. So yeah. So confidence, um, uh, you know, I think people look at you a little bit differently, you know, and, you know, unfortunately that's the, you know, the, the, you know, the truth. And here's the thing is obesity really is a disease. And, and I think so many people don't realize that like you can have fat deposits in places that your body would never know to burn. And so you have to go through some radical changes in order to make those, you know, to, uh, be able to isolate and get those, get that, you know, fat burned. And so, um, anyways, yeah, it's just, it was, it was quite a bit of a journey still is it'll always be. Yeah. Trust me. I want to eat a bag of chips every night. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Amen to that, man. It's, uh, the temptation and the struggle is always there. I mean, it's just and it's crazy. Uh, not long. Why ago, they I mean, have like big plays, man. But like you know, well, I mean, you, like, like But also, like with kids,
2: like you know, like things you oh, don't yeah. think about. Like you order your plate, your wife orders her plate, and your kids order a plate that they don't even eat, and then you don't want it to waste. And then it's oh, like, yeah. oh, I'm gonna eat yeah. my plate. I'm gonna eat their plate, and it's just
1: yeah, it's vicious. Watching food go to waste, man. That uh, that that is something that I struggle with. Man. I mean, because. Growing up, you didn't you didn't leave the table until your plate was empty. Yeah, it,
2: uh... I, I think that's bad advice that our parents gave us. You know, they they would always say, "Finish your plate, finish your plate." Like what we should have been saying is, "Eat till you're full," all right, right? You know, or eat to you're your content. You know, you don't even have to eat till you're full; just eat till you're content. You know, when our kids say, "Hey, I don't want anymore," fine, they don't. That's fine. You tried. You you took a couple bites. Hey, we're good with that. We know as parents, you're going to be hungry later. We know that. So we're going to, we're going to save that food and put it in the fridge and we'll give it to them later.
1: Take all you want, but eat all you take. Exactly. What a line. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's just like, that's I think a lot one. of people are going through that now. I mean, you look at Jeff Bezos, man, he's, uh, that dude's pretty ripped now, man. It's, uh, yeah, but that's
2: steroids. Come on. Let's well, be real.
1: Yeah. I mean, people with money, I mean, they got nothing but time, you know I mean? Yeah. It's just like, they've got professional chefs. You got
2: professional Chefs. You got trainers. You've got, yeah. I mean, as, as they should, like, man, you got billions of dollars. Why not? Well, I don't know that
0: he's on steroids. I've never seen a picture of him. Um, well, well, let's go Google. Yeah, I don't I, I don't typically exact. Google Jeff Bezos. Well, um, it, this has steroids. been something, it,
1: it's been trending on Twitter for. No, yeah. for
0: but when you have now. that kind of money, I don't know. I can't remember which one of you just said this, but it, you have a chef, you can get, you know, have people catering to your every, you know, muscle group. Yep, Uh, the things that I mean, uh, LeBron James, over a million dollars a year on his body. You know, he spends on between massage, food, uh, workout coaches, things like that. I mean, yeah, if you want to do it, you can do it. I mean, that that's super catered in, right? I mean, you can. There are some easy ways to just be healthier. Uh, Counting calories and, and walking are probably the easiest things. One thing that I like. I don't know if you do this scott but something that i thought was really interesting is um a lot of people are like i don't have 30 minutes or an hour to go on a walk or to exercise and so i was watching this video um i can't remember who it was um mind body pump something like that mind pump something like that um and he goes okay after every meal just go walk five minutes out five minutes back do that three times and that's a 30 minute walk in a day i was like that's really interesting and what's even more interesting about that aspect is when you do that like you're starting to move that food too throughout your body mm-hmm. so then you don't feel as whatever that is when you you know you eat a meal um
2: yeah and then you get you know 30 minutes
0: of exercise divided
2: by 3 well, walks so well what's in, what's interesting too is when you lose the weight like i love walking now I love going places. Just walk places. I mean, I love running too. I mean, that's more my thing. But, yeah. but it's like I park. So in here in Norfolk, um, where we're based out of, is that we have. Um, I'm over off City Hall, and I park over on Freemason. And yeah. I mean, there's there's two reasons behind that. One, I enjoy the walk, or I'll ride my bike. Um, but the other thing is, is that it has a charger that actually works for my Jeep Wrangler. So so I could play because I have a I have a plug and play jeep or english so they what they does that mean you have an electric place. jeep now yeah the 4xe <clears throat> and so Where's Great the, vehicle.
0: where do you plug that in freemason
2: so, so on the second second you know floor up they have they have three tesla chargers and two like standard chargers and three? works in the standard
1: yep just the price so, of parking yeah uh, oh, yeah okay. but i
2: mean you gotta pay for parking so i you but, know yeah that's it's, a it's nothing additional building. That's yeah, that's the problem with Norfolk, right? Is that you pay a hundred dollars a month for parking. You know, so the uh that's one of the things that really Norfolk's gotta get under grips is their parking situation because I know you hate startup, it. I do. And startups, the problem is like for startups you're trying not to burn money, right? And so if you have ten employees, that's and the eighty five dollars each, that's eight hundred and fifty dollars a month that you're just throwing away for them to park, you know, forty hours a week. You know, like I mean that's that sucks. Like there should be there should be some kind of grant that's like, hey, look, we'll we'll pay you for your parking for two years if you're a startup, you know, or you have traction or something.
0: Yeah. So like 12 years ago, and I don't I don't know if, Tim, you and I were associated in these conversations. Are um, you still
2: associated? I mean, let's be real. We're just
0: kidding. In. In parking conversations. Uh, anyway, um, I think Clinton Dalton. Went and pitched, um, do you know who Clint Dalton is? He created 7.7 yeah, 7 Creative Space. Yeah, as you said, I know that name.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: And um, a couple other things. But he was like, yo, parking in Norfolk is atrocious. It's stupid. You guys talk about how you want all these people down here. And more people would show up if you made parking easier. I think parking is easy, so I think that's a cop-out. But then two, free or adjusted pricing. And so they did this thing where it was called Park Up, where you would get a severely reduced parking monthly voucher 30 bucks maybe um but it was at the roof of everything well some of the roofs yeah. would take 12 yeah. minutes to get to like the sun trust roof in norfolk yeah, literally same. takes 12 minutes because i remember Corey and um yep. brendan tompkins would take that one from um
2: it's the truest building now not SunTrust, trust but whatever right, building right. yeah
0: but like they would go up there and it's just like yep. i mean it, it is interesting how you know, cities talk about how they want these things to happen. At the end of the day, the reason is because whenever they build a garage, e- each parking space costs them $20,000 over the span to pay off. So if you have 500 parking spaces, whatever, 500 times $20,000, that's their issue is that they they get into these, these situations. And look, my numbers could be a little off, right? But they get in these situations where they over commit to something so ridiculously overpriced it's just like no wonder. Yeah. And and then they never get me one there and they're and they're like oh where is everyone it's like well make it a little easier maybe people will show up but i actually well, believe that if parking was free in norfolk nothing would change that's my honest opinion but i think people use that as a I, excuse i don't i don't
2: i don't think it should be free i mean you're you're in a tight space where you need to you know make use of every square foot that they have. Like I get that. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm all on board with that. Um, the rooftop parking is $40 a month. So what we, oh, did with have that, yep. So, so, but there's only three garages that participate why macarthur mall doesn't participate in any parking incentive i'd be because me, they're not care.
0: owned by the city that's why it's yeah. not the no city I,
2: I know but there's they're still foreclosed on so it's like dang why don't you just try to grab up every parking did you know, know that
0: they changed last year or two years ago you could get 20 minutes free there so if like you ran in and ran out
2: oh uh, no I didn't and you that. would
0: you could get out okay, for I'm gonna free start telling
2: my team i'm gonna start telling my team but that, not anymore
0: they, they changed wow. it where they're like, then? yeah, because I remember I used to go run in, run out, do something real quick. And they're like, oh, it's a dollar. I'm like, what? It's free. And they're like, no, they changed it. The, the owners realized that they were losing however many dollars a year towards that, which probably was significant. Some I'm sure
1: some parking day. now generates more Switch. revenue than the mall itself. It um, It's unfortunate. Well, with,
2: with Without a doubt, super unfortunate. But I think the Nick and them, they're all trying to figure out how they're going to. I mean, up, it's
0: exciting. not unfortunate. It's the life cycle of malls. Like the fact that that mall Absolutely. is still relevant, yeah. like or, yeah. or anything. When people complain yeah. about that, I'm like, "Hello, like, well, it's look just, at man, malls in general."
1: I just look at yeah. it in the sense of like 20 years ago when we first arrived to Virginia, man. I mean, like that was the place to be, and then just just, just to right. see it, to see the, the decline over the. I mean, I mean that's, that's pretty quick.
2: Yeah, that was pretty. I mean, if you think about it, the mall, this mall in particular, 20 minutes or they, 20 years. That they was built quick.
0: that mall late.
2: Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I can agree with that. They were malls they, were starting to die at that time. Yeah. They well, anyway, I you know, the thing about MacArthur Mall, they're gonna repurpose it. Somebody will figure something out and they'll you know, they'll that's what a lot of people are doing. I, I think the movie theater needs to branch out on their own and uh have their own, you know, segmentation of, of you know, because you'll you'll get your crowd coming here for the movie theater still. I mean, that's still always gonna draw attention, but um some of these big big guys they gotta get out of there and just move on,
1: what, and uh, on the scott speaking of which have you been have you gone to brothers yet or have you heard anything about brothers
2: don't have a clue haven't heard about that. it.
1: that's that's for the uh tony brothers the nba referee who opened up the uh restaurant where uh texas day brazil used to be
2: oh okay yeah i haven't i haven't been there yet they yeah. um
1: Tim. what's that have you been there I have not, but I, uh, walking back, uh, cause we always park at MacArthur just because yeah. it's always a little bit cheaper walking back. I saw that it was open and they had all the, <laughs> the branding and stuff up that I forgot that, that that's where he located his restaurant, but I was just curious what the, if there was any word on the street about how it is.
0: Well, their mm-hmm. monthly, the, whatever it was a Kincaid's before, before it was Texas State Brazil, they had to pay $70,000 a month in rent. That was their old rent. So I, I don't it. know what that is now, but that's, I mean, I that's just, that's so I, remember,
2: I remember my early days I was with Radio Shack and I remember I had to come help and open up the Radio Shack here in the in MacArthur mall. And because I was in the MIT program, we were entitled to see what the rents are and we were able to, you know, cause they had fair, I mean, even then, so they had these, what they're called pyramid rents. So that way during peak season, like Christmas time, it's higher. And then, you mm-hmm. know, there's a low time and they have to be able to show that and, and so, but the the average across the board was like $18,000 a month. I mean, we're going 20 years ago, $18,000 a month. I mean, it's like, that's And insane. those
0: are what? A thousand square foot little boxes? I yeah. mean, I remember would, when yeah. I, I remember it was their accountant who told me that number King Kincaid's. I was like, he told me it was like 65, $70,000 and I almost like barfed.
1: I was just yeah. was like. I think uh-huh. now rent is, I think that uh, some of the places rent is free and it's just a revenue share at this point. Wow. Yeah.
2: I believe well, that. Well, they they actually approached us um, to put magazines in there. And uh, I said, no, I said, no, not going to happen. I said, I, I just can't have my brand in there.
1: <clears throat> so. Speaking of brand, Scott, you, you're you really, really good at uh, I mean, you are constantly out there promoting magazine jukebox, sharing everything. I mean, you are just uh, and, and I say this in the greatest way, most complimentary way, just relentless when it comes to that. Is that something that was always that you've always has been part of you, or is that something that you had to learn to do? What uh, What's your take on that?
2: Yeah, yeah. you know, I I don't know the the you know, not that there's a right or wrong answer. I I don't know the answer to that. What I what I can tell you is that uh, when you believe in something, you want to share it with the world. So that's what we're trying to do, and and you start in your circle and expand. I mean, that was like recently. I was just looking at it on like LinkedIn, and, and for those who are startups, if you're not if if you're not spending time on LinkedIn, then you're missing out. Even if you're a B two C company, you know, still, you know, you know, B two B is still you know consumers, and and so they may not be a consumer from a commercial perspective, but they they could be a uh, you know a customer you know personally. But I, I really live in the LinkedIn space. My team lives everywhere else. And, um, and so I, I really enjoy like putting out my, my company. I'm very proud of it. I'm I'm proud to be a part of it. I'm, um, I'm anxious for it to grow and expand and, and, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, yeah, it wasn't really, it was really hard to do when you, when you believe in it.
1: Yeah. I just, I wish that more people would, would follow your play. I mean, it just, uh, I, I just, there's just an opportunity missed. I mean, you, you send something over my way and I, yeah, I'm, always happy to share everything that you send my way and happy to share anything that any startup sends my way. But a lot of people just, uh, they either don't share it and then, uh, they don't necessarily reciprocate either. Not that I, I mean, reciprocation is always nice, but it's not the, it's not the motive, but, uh, and then to your point on LinkedIn, and I think in terms of like organic impressions, you know, I think that LinkedIn is probably, yeah, I, it's pretty generous, I think, in terms of, uh, not throttling back based on any algorithms or whatnot. It's, uh, well, when you, when
2: you get to a certain amount, a
1: lot of people don't know this, but when you get to a certain mm-hmm.
2: amount of user or followers and you post enough, actually LinkedIn makes you a, um they kind of categorize you as I uh, I can't think of the name. Like but an influencer like, type of thing. Yeah, like an influencer, exactly. And so you actually, the more you do and the more you use it, the more you post, the more they're going to actually share your content. And that has worked very, very well for us. In fact, they just opened up, uh, for us so we can do start doing newsletters now on LinkedIn um, from the company. And so we're starting to learn about that and, and how that could be like, how do you do a newsletter on LinkedIn and then also do a newsletter out for your existing, you know, partners. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, now, I mean, I don't want to necessarily dive all into this, but, you know, with chat GPT four and AI and all this stuff, it's like, you know, it's so hard to get organic human-based content I I, let me rephrase that right now it's easy I think it's going to be harder to get in the future and um, I think we're going to see more strides of people saying like hey this was AI built or this ad was brought to you through human interaction only or something like that something silly Um, because you know with these newsletters that we're doing it's like how do you keep up with them how do you you know manage all that content so but we have a team. We believe in. I believe in humans. I believe in the team, and um, and so I, you know, I'll continue to as invest. long as uh, as long as they take that content
1: right. to make more magazine articles and publish more magazines, then you'll be in great shape.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's Tim, right. I well, go, well, I just to piggy on that for just for a second, is that you know publishers are having a really hard time with monetizing magazines. They they always have, like especially on the digital side. And if you noted, like if you watched uh, Elon. Uh, recently, he put out a post about he's going to allow for um, monetization for publishers. They could come on board for a year and for you, can for, yeah. you can pay. Yeah. And, and you can. Consumers can pay to read what they want. And and so they so I think there's going to be a huge shift here soon in the publisher world. And I think that they're going to start getting their content back. It's not going to be all, yeah.
1: because there's really it,
2: three three segmented consumers out there um, when it comes to, um, you know, getting content. And there's your first one is someone who is uh, willing to pay for it. So that's your direct consumer. They're like, hey, I'm not going to give you any information. I'm not going to uh, give you any of my time, but I'm going to just go ahead and pay for it. So we don't have to do that. Then you have the person who's going to be willing to give up their time. So they'll take a survey or they'll watch a commercial. Um, They're willing to pay for it that way. And then the third one is the person who's uh, willing to give information like, hey, yeah, you want access to what I spend money on? Fine, go ahead. Here's my, you know, download this app, you know, follow me, share all, you know, what I'm doing. Fine. They're willing. So you really have this bandwidth of what people are willing to allow. And so I think there's going to be a huge shift here in the future when it comes to content and how that's, you know, being put out there.
1: Yeah, 100%. Elon's making people, a big play.
2: I think people are afraid to promote themselves, Tim. And that's
0: why they don't do it and so well i think that
1: scott nailed it in the sense of belief itself is is really really important. no
0: but i think people are afraid that if they promote themselves too much or they ask too much that they are going to look like it's just a frowned upon thing and i think that people think that being quiet and never promoting oneself is is a completely fine way and it is i'm not in that belief i am like firm believer in like go to the mountaintops and scream at the top of your lungs what you're doing yeah like i think you have to do that because who the hell else is going to if not right but there are a lot of people and i think probably the overwhelming majority of people are not willing to do that and i think that's why um you you just see it like that and so it's it's interesting um why
2: why has it been hard for magazines to make money because so much free content out there, I mean, it's just and, and it's hard. Like when you think of a book, right? Like when you buy a book, you know what's um, you know what you're getting. There's this great book out there called Anomaly. I don't know if you've heard of it, but they um, but you know when you go and you buy the book, um, you know you know you can read the front or the back and you know what that book's going to be about. But going and spending, and maybe that book's twenty bucks, right? But going and spending ten dollars on a magazine. And you don't know what the content inside is going to be because there's no reference. I mean, you have like bullet points, but there's not like any true reference of what's going on in the magazine. Then, you know, so it, it just makes it hard to monetize it. People believe like we live in a society now in a generation, the current generation and early and, and you know, younger generation. They are accustomed to free. They're accustomed to getting things for free. And so getting them to pay for something is going to be very difficult moving into the future. So they're going to have to pay. And, and, and so here's, I I posted on this just recently where I said, you know, if something is cheap or something is free, you are most likely the product. So always remember that. Like, you know, so you gotta be mindful of what you're, you know, nothing's free. Nothing's cheap. Publishers pay money to writers, to photographers, to the print itself, to digitizing it, they're paying tons and tons of money for this content, and so if they can't get it through subscriptions, they're going to get it somehow.
1: Yeah, I think so Zuckerberg by, uh, Zuckerberg taught us that lesson more than anyone. So by
2: free, you mean like it's
0: they're the data point that, yep. and they're selling the data off. They are,
2: they're the, they're the product. People are buying their their information. Yep. So until that until the younger generation gets that and understands it. Yeah, you know, then it's uh, it's gonna be tough. So the publishers are gonna yeah, they're gonna constantly struggle in that in that realm for a little bit. That's what makes magazine jukebox so great is that we're you know we're kind of a marketing play for publishers. You know, you get right. it temporarily. You're not getting full. You know, you get full access to the magazine. There's no ads that are gonna pop up in the magazine, so you do get full from cover to cover. You get to enjoy the magazine. You get to enjoy it while you're there. But when you leave and you exit, you only get it for 36 more hours as long as you don't clear your browser and you get it for 36 hours. And then, you know, then it times out. So that's what makes us so relevant for publishers is that they want to get their content out. And, and, I, and I'm using a random statistic because I have no idea the true answer to this. Mm. And I don't think anybody does. But it's like I feel like it's like 80 percent of, of uh, con, you know, consumers out there that read magazines have never read a digital magazine cover to cover. They've read snippets, little pieces, um, but they've never read one cover to cover. They have no idea what that experience is like. 80 seems show. low. I, yeah, probably. Cover
0: to cover is, th- I mean, that's a lot.
2: Yeah, it is. So yeah, you're probably right, it's probably higher, but you know, I'll err on side of caution here, but they, but it's like, yeah, you're not gonna have, um, you know, just, you just, we just don't have people that read it. So you give them, if you catch them in a place like a waiting room, or a place of transit, and and they really have nothing, you know, almost like nothing better to do but to stare at the channel that is pre-programmed, you know, on the wall, or um, they're going to stare <laughs> at their phone on social media that is, you know, it gets old after a while. You know, they want to read something good on Car and Driver. Maybe they want to read something on Highlights for their kids, or maybe they want to read something in People magazine. And, and we're getting ready to onboard a ton of publications here soon. And so when that, you know, uh, when they want to read something like that, it's like,
1: you know, why not catch them when they're when they're waiting? Does the uh, does the public library system offer something like Magazine Jukebox? Or what, what do they do? So I,
2: I think I think that they have a partnership. There is a digital magazine company out there, but they they're really specific to um, they're really specific to. Um, uh libraries and so that they they it's more of a um I, I think they're subsidized a little bit um so i don't think that it's a um i don't i don't think that they raise capital i don't think that they really you know have a burn or or that they're profitable i think that they just have it's a subsidy so something like a hoopla are you familiar with hoopla and because i'm thinking norfolk
0: public libraries do have something and i, I I yeah, think that's
1: yeah that is yeah. Audiobooks,
0: ebooks, books yeah. Do they have magazines?
2: I don't know. I don't know. I don't they, know either. There, there are. I know that there's a digital magazine page turner out there for libraries only. I know that it's out there. I don't remember the name. They're they're just not on our radar. A lot of people are on not. On, right
1: now,
2: but, so yeah. I don't. <laughs> a lot of people yeah. are not on our radar anymore. We're we're leading we're leading the pack, so it's yeah. nice. They. Um, oh no, kidding. We have, yeah, the, to quote, um, uh, one of the VPs over at Hearst is, uh, when I was up there about a month ago, um, he said, magazine jukebox is years ahead of competition. So keep going. So it's cool to hear that. What,
1: uh, what keeps you hungry? What, 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 what makes you keep driving forward to stay ahead of competition?
2: Uh, yeah. Being ubiquitous, you know, to, to be the, to be the best and, hire more people, give people great careers, um, you know, honestly, for my wife and I to, um, you know, I I mean, I, I've never felt more like an entrepreneur than I do now. I think I said that on one of your previous shows that I was on with you guys. Like, I still feel that way. Like, I'm, I wake up every morning. I love what I do. I love who I work with. And um, and I love, the, you know, the publishers or investors or my team, um, you know, and I love, I love the thrill of when you go somewhere and and someone you see you catch someone by accident using your product or service and and enjoying it. Or you go into a coffee shop and you say, oh, cool, we're here. You know, like those are cool. Those are cool feelings. And, and it's uh it's exciting. I mean, man, we're in like we're in over 200 plus hospitals now. I mean, it's just insane. Like the the you know, we're we're changing a lot of lives to like in the sense of, you know, reading is a de-stressor. I mean, if, assuming you're not reading political stuff but you know it's like it's a de-stressor and so it's like you know when people are in the hospital whether you're there yourself or you're waiting on someone there to be able to have something to read and enjoy to help reduce stress is awesome you know car dealerships you know you go in and get your oil changed I mean there's only so much you can watch on that screen that they're you know Price is right and by the way but yeah which by the way um most of them are actually it's a company that comes in they put their tv in there and they do all their ads on there and they are actually paying rev share to the um you know to the dealership or to these airport airports is a classic example i mean um you know it used to be owned by cnn now it's owned by nbc and they own all the screens and it was um yeah, I mean, it, yeah. Ton, ton
1: I love the product, but in addition, I, I love the fact that you're not filling, you're not wasting paper, you're not filling landfills. You know, the the it's just from from the green aspect, I think it's super cool what you're able to do as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, you you nailed it. I mean, we we took a just did like an internal survey of what it would, you know, one location that has let's say they have four publications, we give them twelve stay tuned we may be giving them more here soon maybe you're learning something on the show nobody knows about but um but they you know you take four physical magazines and you put it on a scale and it's going to be a couple of pounds and then you take that times it by 12 months and then you look at that and you're like okay if that's 100 pounds then and you're in 100 locations man we just removed a thousand pounds of uh, waste so man that's to me that's a that's a huge win hmm.
0: On the last show, you said something along the lines of, I believe it's harder to raise money once you have a product than before, if you are still kind of in idea stage, if you will. It's been 50 50 or so episodes since you said that, which would be one calendar year. Do you still believe
2: that? Have you changed on
0: that?
2: No, 100%. It's still... I mean, it's like if you go watch shark tank like everybody thinks our world is like shark tank you know they just think that you know we're pitching to billionaires and hundreds of millions of dollars and that we're just gonna get a deal and and it's like the truth is it's like if you ever watch it they're like i was just watching i think it was last Friday's episode i don't know where they're like wow you're doing great you're making money you're you know you've scaled from zero to making seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year and It's just you and you're, you know, profitable by $200,000 for that reason. I'm out. (laughs) It's like, wait a second, you did everything right. You got this great product and you're out like that doesn't make any sense. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely harder when you have a product um, than it is the idea of the product.
1: I mean, there's, there's nothing easy. There's nothing easy about being And it shouldn't be, but it shouldn't be
2: easy, right? Like if it was easy, A, everyone would do it and B, why should it be easy? Like we're all trying, I'm trying to go after a unicorn. I want to be a billion dollar company. Yeah. This should not be an easy, easy feat. This well, is going to be hard.
0: Ask, how many people ask for a certain dollar amount? And then the follow-up question is, what do you, what's your use of funds? And they have no idea. Like they're just like, oh, uh, I don't know. I mean, that's. that. What do you mean? Reword that. What do you mean? People will say, oh, I want to raise $10 million. And then the person that you're talking to will say, what is your use of that? $10, how are you going to use that $10 million? And they yeah. have no idea. They just pick that number out of their ass. And they're just yeah, like, oh, exactly. hey, this is what I want to do. And it's just like, I, but you know, going yeah. back to your, your earlier comment about being very frugal with your money. I think that's, that's an ideal situation. You know, you've raised 1.3 and 750 of it still in the bank. I mean, that's, it's a pretty big deal. Like sounds like you're using that. Well,
2: yeah. So we're, We're always if you talk to my C-suite man, they'll tell you a funny story. Last week they were in town. They flew in because two of my guys live. One lives in uh, Dallas. The other one lives in Atlanta. And um, they flew in. I got them a rental car. And um, but it was when we had tornado hit, which is crazy because they landed the same minute that that tornado warning came out for Virginia Beach. And I'm like, man, that pilot just wanted to be home. Like he was, he wasn't gonna (laughs) have it, but but they uh so they landed they get uh they get it they get to the rental car and it's a car and it's like man been storming flooding in areas and i sent them a text and i'm like hey you may want to get an suv so then they text me back a few minutes later they're like hey it's 20 dollars more a day and i respond back just get the car <laughs> and i'm like that's how frugal i am like i'm, I'm horrible about it you know like it's <laughs> and it's like and so they gave me a hard time all week about it they're like like just get the car. Like don't worry about my C suite, don't worry about it. So they they showed the text to the enterprise guy and the guy goes, I'm just going to give you the the SUV at no no additional cost. And it was like I was like, look, my plan worked perfectly. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: That's What's next, fine. man? What, uh, what what are you looking forward to in the future? How can we help uh, you?
2: Yeah, so I mean, just getting the word out. I mean, commercial partners. We we want to grow like hospitals, car dealerships, um, doctors' offices, um, coffee shops. Man, we just want to grow. Get the word out. Tell people. You know, we're not expensive. I think, I think our price is somewhere between two two fifty to five hundred dollars, or maybe it's three hundred to five hundred dollars a year um, to have us in their lo- in each location. So it's not an expense. It's we're w- way less than having magazines. Uh, which is a contention with our publishers because they want to make sure we're not devaluing their magazines. So I get that. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so it's like getting the word out is great. What's next for us is uh, we have some big contracts that have been ratified. So now we're just onboarding them and, you know, going through the motions of getting them you know squared, squared away. And, and we, yeah, um, you know, going live is always an exciting time for our company. Anytime a publisher or a commercial partner comes on board, you know, when we get the email from our experience team says hey you know so and so has gone live man, we're excited because that means it's it's up and running they they put it out there and and uh like we we're in other countries too so like we're in the philippines we're in manila and we have medical city and man they like they just turn and burn on reading like i mean we're getting thousands and thousands of impressions every single day from that one hospital alone and it's because they knew the value of it, they put it out properly. We worked with them, and when everything aligns, it just makes things work perfect. So, yep, just getting getting the word out for us is great. And I'm also still trying to ra- finish raising 700 grand. So, any any investors who are watching this, just come on. We're on a convertible <laughs> note. We have uh, what is it, eight percent with a twenty uh, percent uh, discount on a six mil cap. So, I love it. Scott it has is been it? an
0: absolute pleasure thank you for being with us today
2: yeah, I mean no think that was very
1: uh, written out I think uh, yeah so uh, what is it it's May mm-hmm. May time frame we'll get you next May see how things go
2: yeah maybe maybe we do something for Christmas because we got a lot of exciting things happening You may want me back soon all right
1: we can do yeah. that we'll,
2: just can't will just you, can uh, you wear uh, like a kingle hat with um, some um, some light up Christmas lights? Maybe i'll do it i mean beard? my my office my view is where they put the big christmas tree out for norfolk yes, so good so i will uh i'll have that as my backdrop christmas spirit love it we'll right. we'll see you in december sounds good man look forward to it guys thanks for having me on the show thanks zach tim appreciate thanks, it God. appreciate you man